Are you ready to be the best that you can be? Join hybrid business coach and consultant Charity Brown and her guest as they give you behind the scenes access to the insider tips and tricks that will help you take your business to the next level. Charity has an extraordinary approach to boosting businesses to break out of their modes, influence their industries, and become leaders of their packs. And she's ready to pass this inspiring knowledge on to you today. Learn how to change your game and build your business into what you've always dreamed of, right here on the Create Clarity with Charity Podcast. Hello and welcome to Create Clarity with Charity. Today I have Shira Miller here, the author of Free and Clear, Live the Life You Want, which is what we all need to do. Hi, Shira. Hi, Charity. How are you? I'm doing great. I am so happy you are here to help us all get unstuck if we're stuck. <laughs> My pleasure. Awesome. So yes, I know that you're, you know, been a TEDx speaker. You have this great book. You've been like sharing your gifts and um, ways to help people transform their lives for many years. So I'm super happy to have you here. So let's talk about you and find out about how you became this author and powerhouse business owner and you know talk to my audience a bit about maybe your life path uh how you started maybe your first endeavors as a business owner back in the day and your passion and how we you re-steered your life to um what you'd always dreamed of and overcame failures and obstacles so that's why we're all here is to be able to connect and get some of your great insights. So thank you. And let's begin. Sure. I know that you're very focused on entrepreneurial spirit. So I'll start there. And I am the daughter of a delicatessen owner from Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. <laughs> so I, I was born into a family business, but my first entrepreneurial venture took place when I went to Emory University in Atlanta. And I always liked to bake. So I created a little side business called Jewish Mommies Incorporated, where I used to make cheesecakes and cookies and bake goods for other students during finals and did that, you know, for a couple of years. The only problem is I literally ate the profits right. of a baked good business. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I love that. See, that's our creative really coming through before we're like told, no, that won't work or, you know, feel lack of support or whatever to like do that from your heart. Be like, everyone needs treats during finals. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. And to be, um, you know, a daughter of a restaurateur or somebody in the hospitality business, I'm sure you saw how really difficult it is and the profit margins and the stress and the level, level of dedication. And, you know, so maybe that inspired you, maybe it didn't. Well, it's funny you bring that up, but I know your experience with owning multiple restaurants, it's such a hard life. I am the only one that didn't go into the restaurant business full-time though. Over the years, I owned a PR firm that represented food businesses and now I'm the chief communications officer of a $2 billion corporation that's in the food service supply chain while I have my own side business with coaching, speaking, and writing. So yes, it definitely had an impact on what I did and didn't do. 
That's great because I kind of felt the same way after owning and operating several restaurants. I wanted to be an advocate. I wanted to give the restaurateur the tools that they really need that I saw from the inside where a lot of restaurateurs were lacking like funding, finance, you know, marketing, having an ally essentially because a lot of restaurateurs feel like they're like, you know, fighting a war every day and it's a penny business though. The profit margins are small. So they're constantly, you know, really um, having to do a lot of work themselves, but cool. So I love that you um, had the PR firm as well, because I'm in media, as you know, so let's talk about that. So when did you start your PR firm? I started my PR firm in 2001, ran it until 2013. And we represented a lot of consumer brands, Spanx, if you're familiar oh. with. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of the early work for Sarah Blakely. Uh, in terms of the food business that we were talking about, did some work for California Pizza Kitchen, did work for Farm Rich, which is frozen cheese sticks and snacks, um, did work for IHG, the hotel chain, and you know some more fashion in there, Adidas Y3, which was their high-end brand. So those are a few of the names of, of brands we represented. Wonderful. So during that process, were you a solopreneur when you started all that, like an agency owner, or did you have like a huge team and you just kind of joined forces with a bunch of PR people? I started out as an individual counselor and then I built my agency. I had six employees by 2009. Awesome. So what kind of lesson did that teach you doing PR? I know that there was a wild roller coaster ride around 20, 2009 and 10. There was The U.S. was in a recession and you had been scaling maybe for like 10 years before that, doing really well and amazing and living the life of your dreams. Maybe not necessarily your personal life, but your professional life was really going pretty well. Well, it's interesting, Charity. I had all of the trappings. I had the fancy office tower. We won a lot of awards. Um, it was nice, ego-wise, having my name on the door. The business was Shira Miller Communications. But it didn't bring me a lot of joy by that time. I felt like I wasn't getting to do a lot of the work. Everybody wanted to talk to me, but everything had to be focused on sales, administration, running the business, employee concerns. So... I was in an interesting spot where I kept doing it because I was good at it and we got a lot of recognition, but then the rug was really pulled out under my feet when the Great Recession happened and 200,000 small businesses um, were really hit hard or closed their doors. And while I did close my doors, mine was one of them. It just, we ended up over the course of six to 10 months going from a boom to a bust. Yeah. And, and a lot of us can relate during COVID, you know, there, it's just like, it's some elements are completely out of people's control, right? Like, I mean, shutting down the complete market space and being able to survive and having those tools. So when you were in that state in your life, tell me about how, you know, the mental clarity or the challenges that you were, you know, um, overcoming to be able to scale again. So that was a really hard time. I had to let go of all my great employees. I ended up with over $100,000 in business debt. I was on the hook for that fancy office space lease for another six years. I, with startling bad luck, just happened to re-sign a lease right before uh, the Great Recession hit. 
So it was a hard time. And I worked by myself for four years to pay off all the debt. And from that place became, I started figuring out what's next. I became a certified coach. I decided to go back in corporate America and I've been in corporate America for eight years. So what I'm doing is building my entrepreneurial spirit right now as a side hustle. Mm -hmm. And I will be launching in 2023, paid courses, doing keynote speaking, building things up that way so that when I look out at the future, you know, I've been delighted in my corporate job the past eight years, but I see a future where I'm an entrepreneur again, full time, doing things that really bring me joy. Yeah. And that's the key, right? I mean, I know you do the executive coaching now, your powerhouse in corporate America, really bringing these, you know, tools. Actually, let's go to your tools. We're going to go visit Shira's um, page right now and check out uh, shiramiller.com, everyone, audience, go check it out um, because it is it is key to be able to have somebody who's been there, done it, and, you know, really been able to pull themselves up and over, um, you know, the corporate or any any kind of failure, whether it's corporate or um, you know, entrepreneurship. So, um, that's the most important thing right now is to find out the tools that you use in corporate and, you know, the, the passion and the drive that you use to, um, drive your business to a place where now you can really live your dream life of being fulfilled. Right. So that's what the evolutionary entrepreneur, what about this, this podcast is about is really that heart centered entrepreneur that wants to give back, you know, to people and help them elevate their game. So let's talk about some of your key tools. So I love this site because the first thing that pops up is this really amazing quiz. So let's talk about that. Sure. Well, we're all stuck in some way and it might be a little, it might be the kind of everyday stuff. Maybe you had an important business meeting and you got caught in traffic and you missed it, or you were supposed to bring cupcakes to your kids' third grade classroom and you completely forgot. So that's, you know, daily kinds of stuff. And then there's a chronic kind of stuff. And that's what I help people with. And I've got a quiz. It's free. That's on my website. So people can figure out what kind of stuckness they face and figure out what to do about it. There's seven different kinds of stuck. So when you go through this quiz, it will identify if you're stuck in multiple areas, how you're most stuck. And I've got tons of free articles and advice on here that you can read and that can, you know, help you, whether it's professional, personally, wellness, relationships, et cetera. Awesome. So that's kind of like the self-inventory part, right? To uh, make a change, we all need to do like a self-evaluation and see where we're at right now in this. Absolutely. It's important to see kind of where you start. And from that, then you go through a process that I've created to get unstuck for good. So it's got, you know, different steps that build on each other and then how to maintain your trajectory because, you know, we're all human. We're going to have some backslides. We're going to make some mistakes, but it's just important to practice self-forgiveness and get right back on it on your desired track. Yeah, I love that. So I took the test. It was cool. Um, And then I was... It's so delighted to be able to find your um, book that has the solutions to the areas that we may be stuck in, right? 
Thank you. Yeah, free and clear. I conducted a tremendous amount of research. I interviewed over 100 people that were stuck in some way. Some of it's incredibly dramatic. Others is, you know, more run-of-the-mill kinds of stuck. And there's a pattern, Charity. There are actually seven things that tend to get people stuck. Nice. And what are those? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. Yeah. I, and I'm, okay, the first is something I call you don't do you, where you're inauthentic, you're unwilling to show your true self. The second, I call you're on a road to nowhere. And that's when you're not clear about your purpose, or you know it, but you're not living in alignment with it. The mm -hmm. third kind of stuck is you don't consider forgiveness. And that's forgiving yourself for mistakes, as well as other people. The fourth kind is you don't trust yourself. And this is when you grapple with self-doubt in your personal or your professional life. The fifth, I call it, you're a Debbie Downer. And that's somebody, when given the choice between being negative or positive, you go negative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think everything's going to go wrong, it will. The sixth is you're not flexible. You're unwilling to pivot. When market conditions change, when your life changes, we've all seen over the past few years how unprecedented times can happen when you least expect it. And um, the final way is something I call your shipwrecked. And that is isolated. And it could be you have tons of friends and family, but you're not willing to accept help, even though you're willing to give it to others. So shipwrecked is building those right networks of support and receiving the help in turn. Awesome. Yes, that's key. I mean, I've had moments of isolation. A lot of times when we are down and we're in that valley low, it's like isolating and like not reaching out to the tools and resources is so common, right? Yes. It really is like kind of like a protection mechanism, like, oh my gosh, I need to protect myself from the elements, um, not expose myself to, you know, people to see me when I'm down because then I'm vulnerable. And so I think like learning, you know, healthy habits around that and being true and authentic to ourselves and, and being able to share when we are hurting. So I love that. I really love that about your book and being able to use your programs to get unstuck and to get out of that mad cycle. Cause that is something that you can just continue on all through life and never drop the burden or the resentment or whatever it is that's keeping people kind of shut, shut out. So yeah. True. yeah. So I know that you've done some phenomenal uh, TEDx um, talks as well that have really shooken up the market space. So let's talk about um, five ways to let go of a dream that might have failed and stop apologizing. You didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> sure. And these are so applicable to things we all face. The five ways to let go of a dream, that was inspired by the business failure that I had. But we all have dreams that, you know, maybe we persist in pursuing when they're no longer in our best interests. And it's okay to change your mind. You might have been training for something for 10, 20 years. You can choose new pathways. It's just important to practice forgiveness. And if you like, I've got some tips on how you can let go of a dream that's no longer working for you. 
Yes, I know the audience would love it. I mean, it's really key to learn how to drop stuff. People say, oh, I released it. I cleared it. I thought I'm done. I'm over it. But still, it's like really buried really deep down inside. And it's just still aggravating. You know, it's like, no, I really need to get rid of it. Like, (laughs) please help. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you the first step is to take a pause. And what I mean by a pause, you know, of course, it'd be great if you could go away for, you know, a two week vacation to Fiji or somewhere. But a pause is a break from your everyday life. And you can take it in a couple of hours, a couple of days. You know, you don't have to do anything um, elaborate or expensive. It's just kind of clearing things out of your brain. And part of that is getting away from your smart devices. If you're constantly checking your cell phone, you've got texts, you've got notifications, it's hard to think clearly. So that pause lets you think, what really happened? What went wrong? What would I like to create now? And part of that is journaling. Journaling's been a tool I have used for the past 30 years. So it just really putting things down on paper lets you gain a lot of clarity. And when I say paper, yeah, it's great to write it out by hand. At this point, I just download so quickly, I have to either speak it or I have to type it on a laptop. So any of that, just getting it out, but you know, some other steps. So you've heard of the term FOMO, fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. There's another term that um, a psychologist, Michael Gervais came up with, and he calls it FOPO. And FOPO is fear of people's opinions. And that Mm -hmm. is being so concerned. What is everybody else going to think? Are they going to judge me? So the second step is making peace with your ego. I remember feeling such shame and a sense of failure with what was happening with my company. I didn't tell anybody. I just kept working. And everyone would say, oh, how's everything going? You know, I still had some big name clients and I'd just be like, oh, I'm fine. And meanwhile, I was running myself into the ground to the point that I ended up with Crohn's disease after four years of trying to do it all by myself. So, you know, make peace with your ego. Everybody has had a failure, something goes sideways, Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jordan, Albert Einstein, you name it. Some of the, you've, this happens to some of the most successful people, people that have ever lived. So you got to make peace with your ego. Practicing gratitude can really help. Gratitude um, has been proven to create well-being in your body and your mind. I've got you know, also on the website, I've got a free um, gratitude rocket fuel exercise. It's a journaling exercise that you can find and it'll teach you how to pump up the gratitude. Yeah, I think we all need to like flex our gratitude muscle a lot during this time of year. So where is that? Let's let's all check out shiramiller.com gratitude. It's either going to be under resources and if not, I can send it to you. Okay. Yes. If they, you know what, if they go to my website and they go to the search bar at the top and you put in um, gratitude rocket fuel. (laughs) Let's see what comes up, Charity. I feel like it's a jackpot. Let's see what happens when you pull that. There it is. Dude, yay, yay, yay. That's literally how I pull myself out when I'm like laying in bed and I'm like just thinking about all the heaviness sometimes. 
I'm like, okay, I'm going to go write down what I'm thankful for, what I'm grateful for, and then see how I feel after that. And then my whole day changes. Yeah. It changes <laughs> everything. It's so simple. Gratitude rocket fuel, five steps to activate your amazing potential, ready to lead an awesome life. That's so awesome. So yeah. this is like a step-by-step -step download, or is it like a workbook or... You download it. It's just a three-page sheet, but it gives you, you know, my goal is to make things easy. My whole book, I didn't, I did a ton of research. I interviewed so many experts. I just took it and made it a step-by-step -step actionable tips. We are so busy. We don't want to read a thesis every time we want to make a change. It's let me cut, let me shortcut a lot of the crap that people deal with. And so all of the materials you'll see from me, it's just going to simplify. And let's just go down to how can we cut through the clutter and make an impact? I love that. Keeping it simple is so key these days because people are really overcomplicating the coaching space. Yes. They don't, maybe they didn't have the great tools when they started their business, but really keeping it simple. And, and sometimes the light bulb moment goes on with the most simple foundational concept, like identifying you know, our pain points or like, you know, figuring out, you know, some belief patterns that we're very aware of that we just continue to feed into. And, you know, sometimes people make that like a 15 month process. Some people can have a three page download and to speed it up and to really not waste any more time and, you know, really get the tools to be able to shift because it's that shift, right? It's that literally shifting into that um, space of identifying what it is that's keeping you stuck. And then when you realize it's yourself, yeah, <laughs> like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> was I doing that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so audience you know it really is your choice and it is all in our heads but it's great to have like simple frameworks we're like okay just ask yourself these questions right yes questions um take action follow through and then have an amazing coach like Shira, right? I mean, you're, that's the key about accountability and having somebody on your team or having somebody who has the wheelhouse to be able to help you through areas that you may not be able to identify, right? Exactly. I know you've seen that in your coaching practices. You're helping so many leaders and entrepreneurs. It, when you want to, when you think about an athlete, the top of the top people, the highest of achievers, they have a coach who is helping them. Mm -hmm. And so there's such value to having that resource like you are offering to your clients. Yes. And like in my book, my main thing, get a mentor, find somebody to help you out. Like there is no shame in asking for help. But some of us, like for many years in the restaurant business, you do not show your poker face. You do not show you're scrambling to figure out how to pay payroll, looking for vendor receipts, trying to figure out what to do with this customer or that, or this employee or that, you know, it's so, um, you know, kind of ingrained that you don't ever let anyone see you sweat. Because if it's too hot in the kitchen, you know what to do, right? So yes. you don't want people to think, oh, you're weak. You know, she's in there crying about it or feeling, you know, um, you know, betrayed or overwhelmed about like certain things. So 
a lot of us stuffed it, stuff it. And even in corporate, right? Like in corporate, it's always been very, very, um, you know, cutthroat. So you don't ever want to show when you're weak, you know, um, because it's a dog eat dog corporate world. Um, so I love that you're in there helping people find their heart center because that is the next real thing is bringing this heart-centered co coaching strategy to where the people really need it because there there is a lot of people suffering in corporate that are stuck that haven't identified why they're still there so um let's talk about that you're I mean you had mentors you had people help you when you were down right oh absolutely I have an amazing executive coach who I've been working with for, gosh, the past 15 years. I mean, she's been amazing. I've had great mentors. I've had people who were just kind when I needed somebody to listen or give me a moment of advice or give me an opportunity. And because of that, I'm really focused on promoting well-being at work and at home. And on LinkedIn, I constantly am writing articles that are focused on bringing kindness into the workplace and practicing gratitude and being your authentic self, whether you're in the C-suite at any level. I'm a really huge proponent of authentic leadership. So I've written over 100 articles on LinkedIn, on Arianna Huffington's Thrive Global that are very focused on those topics as well. Yes. And that's the other amazing thing that you interviewed like 700 women or I've interviewed over a hundred people for the book. Um, yeah. But when I look at people I've interviewed for articles, because I'm constantly writing different things, like right now I'm in the middle of writing a five-part series on kindness in the workplace, or I'm interviewing CEOs, international experts on the topic. And I just want to hear their take and get their advice. Again, in very easy to follow with steps. I just want to make it, you know, simple, the things you can do. But, you know, even focused on that topic of kindness in the workplace, it generates great business results. It makes you a better leader. You've got better employee engagement and you're happier in your career. You know, being kind is just as good as the people that you are showing kindness to. So it's not a soft thing. It's not a, oh, she's a soft touch. Kindness is a smart business strategy based on mutual respect and making the most of your experience and that of your employees. So true. Kindness goes such a long way. Um, and I love that. That's, I mean, key advice is if you can't do anything else, just be kind, right? Yeah. Yes. And so we'll get a lot farther in life together. We all thought like that, but some people are the competitive edge, you know, and they're you know, stepping on toes, trying to get to the top and just doesn't work well anymore. Like that just kind of, I saw a lot of that when I was in corporate and um, it's just, it's just not a healthy way to be anymore. So thank you so much for bringing all your tools and tips and strategies to the corporate world because everyone's healing now. They'll have a place to be able to change and transform into better leaders with your guidance and communicators. So yay. Um, so let's talk about anything else. I know you also came, you overcame, you know, um, a lot in life. Um, 
like myself, dropped 100 pounds, you lost like 60, 70 pounds, you you flipped the script and decided to like put yourself first, right? And to like take your power back and, you know, command what you wanted out of life. So let's talk about how do people do that when they feel like kind of, you know, um, deflated or defeated or kind of, you know, what's the first step do you think other than just like a self-inventory exercise? After you realize how you're stuck and you take a pause, the next step is to find your purpose because your purpose is your guide rails. Your purpose is your why. It's your reason for being. When you get really clear about that by looking at your values, what your skills are, you know, your desired state of life, then you can have, it's a litmus test. You can make so many decisions against it. If you want to fill, if you want to have a life that's filled with more joy, you start filtering all your decisions, what you're doing for a career, what kind of relationships are you in? Are they bringing you joy? Uh, and that's how you measure everything. So getting clear about your purpose, building confidence in yourself um, and giving yourself permission to change. I even have in my book, a permission slip that you can fill out. You know how you fill that out for your kids going on a tri school trip? Mm -hmm. Do the same for yourself. So you get permission to, let's say you're stuck. You and I both successfully lost weight and have kept it off for many years. You want to have permission to be healthy mm -hmm. and gain energy. And you write, you fill it out in there. And there's just something that clicks when you write it down and you make it official. Yes. It's a magic, right? About journaling, mm -hmm. writing things, getting them out of our head, putting them in third dimension. It's like it starts sorting itself out automatically. It's amazing tool. And I know you did tons of that, right? Like the, the maintain the wellness, the meditation, the hypnotherapy, the frequency healing, the holistic approach to, um, you know, bettering your life, essentially. My top priority is self-care. Mm -hmm. And I protect it every day. I make sure that I make time for it, morning exercise, journaling, listening to a meditative recording, and I, I do it every day. So I will schedule business meetings around my wellness. I put it on the calendar like I do anything else. I, I became deliberately an early morning person because if I can get all this goodness done before 8 a.m., there's less a chance of it getting interrupted. Mm -hmm. So it, it literally is my top priority. So then I have a lot of goodness and energy to give to my husband and friends and family and my job and people I'm helping in the world. Yes, love it. The morning power hour. Woo -woo. <laughs> <laughs> so key. So awesome. So thank you so much for being here. I just want my audience to know that they can go check you out at shiramiller.com and that's S-H-I-R-A Miller.com. And there are so many free articles, resources, and tools, links to her book, opportunities to take her quizzes, and also listen to all her speaking engagements and her TEDx. So thank you so much for being here, Shira. I really enjoyed um, getting to know you and having you featured on my podcast. Thank you so much, Charity. This has been amazing. Thank you. And everyone out there, have a beautiful day. Chat soon. Bye. Are you ready to be the best that you can be? 
Join hybrid business coach and consultant Charity Brown and her guest as they give you behind the scenes access to the insider tips and tricks that will help you take your business to the next level. Charity has an extraordinary approach to boosting businesses to break out of their modes, influence their industries, and become leaders of their packs. And she's ready to pass this inspiring knowledge on to you today. Learn how to change your game and build your business into what you've always dreamed of, right here on the Create Clarity with Charity Podcast.